This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, your other host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I feel great, Ben. Thanks so much for uh, for joining me here. I feel like Nick Ritchie. I'm just surrounded by talent, and I'm going to enjoy it for as long as I can. Wow, that is an incredible podcasting segue. I must extend my uh, congratulations to you, sir, because... what. Well, where else should we start? Let's go right to Boston then. We are hopping right into the uh, the headlines, the fantasy headlines for this week. Uh, and we'll start with Brett. Oh, Brett, I just made this mistake when we were prep when we were prepping the show with Lewis because the Bruins had Brett Ritchie last year. They got Nick Ritchie this year. They're rich in Ritchies. But right now, the one that you want to know, that you need to know, and the one you might want to own is Nick Ritchie on that top power play, playing as Lewis said with all the studs with. Uh, Bergeron and Marshan. We could see David Pasternak back as soon as this weekend, but in the meantime, what do you think, Richie? Worth a stream? Yeah, I think he's a great stream option, but like you said, don't get married to the idea. He's going to be, you know, back to his usual haunts, I'm sure, pretty soon. Uh, you know, we don't typically see a whole lot of adjustment or changes to what has been a very effective power play in Boston. So I think they'll be trying to get back to their standard as quick as possible. I do like Richie, especially if you're talking about a bangers league. I think that he has a lot of value there. Uh, just he's going to cover categories. Um, you know, four hits in the game the other day, and uh, a goal on the power play tonight. You you simply love to see it. And right now, this is absolutely shocking to me, Lewis. Nick Richie is now tied for second in power play points among the entire NHL. Wow, that is wild. I would never have guessed that. That uh, That's stunning to me. Obviously, it's only because Rupe Hintz has not been released on the world uh, for well, sufficient numbers of games. Oh, he is tied with him? Well, so pretty impressive since he's only had the two games to do it. And of course, he uh, is riding your injured reserve. I hope you were able to get him and swap him out for another player here on Tuesday night. Uh, if you heard the news in time. But yeah, that's pretty amazing to be in such lofty comparisons as one of the most popular ads of the last week uh, in Rupe. And and I honestly, Richie in the spot that he is, you know, in categories leagues, especially, I I don't see why you wouldn't want to give him a shot on your roster here. Um, Obviously, you might not be able to fit him in given the schedule, but if he ends up, uh, if Pasta ends up missing time this weekend or his injury legs into next week, I, I feel like you might be able to get some Brett Richie shares or Nick Ritchie, 
I'm never going to get this right. So I feel like instead we just need to move on to the next group. Is that is that cool with you? Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. We're going to move right to Chicago for our next headline where Alex DeBrinkett and Adam Boakvist hit the COVID list. I guess it was yesterday. You would think that Dominic Kubalik and Duncan Keith take over in the top power play. And uh, you would think that Kubalik hops up on that top line in Chicago. But so far, uh, the the game just started in Chicago as we're recording this, and I'm looking at shiftchart.com to find out what the uh, the lines are looking like, and it would appear that Matthias Janmark has taken the spot on the top line, and uh, he's playing with Pew Suter and, uh, and Patrick Kane. So I guess the the obvious question here: Are you giving Matthias Yanmark a look if you're uh, if you're looking through your waiver wire today? Obviously, yeah. Anyone who's playing with Kane or or the newly ascendant uh, Pew Suter, as we've decided uh, his name is pronounced, yeah, that could be worth a look. I would certainly take uh, Richie over him, you know, mm. to have that power play opportunity. Yeah, Yanmark. I mean, I think if you're if you're hoping to get some exposure to some skilled players, great. But I don't love it, frankly. Uh, in terms of of his deployment, he's an interesting guy because I know I feel like in in Dallas he got a lot of shorthanded points, um, but I don't know if he's out there on the PK. I would imagine if he's not getting lots of power play time. I don't know. I'm pretty meh on Yanmark. I'm trying to trying to run him down as best I can, but I'm finding it hard to bring myself to care too deeply about him. I think too when it comes to Chicago and you know just we're constantly trying to slap the tape over the uh, the new holes that pop up in the in the surface here as we as they keep on losing players to injury and it's like oh, I want uh, I want to bring it for that exposure to Patrick Kane oh I want Pew Suter to Pat because of that exposure to Patrick Kane okay now I want Matthias Yanmark it's just like at some point it's not going to be enough. You know what I mean? Like, it's just there's going to be diminishing returns as the Blackhawks slowly put every single winger on their roster next to Patrick Kane. I do think, you know, maybe keep an eye on him if he ends up keeping that spot for the next two weeks, as it looks like that's what, uh, how long DeBrinkett and Bo- and uh, Boakfist will be out, then maybe Matias Yamark will be worth a stream. Or maybe if he puts up some points tonight, you know, take a look at your uh, at your waiver wire. The nice thing about a Yanmark stream is that he's one of the few he's on. He'll play tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday night. We're recording this Tuesday, of course, and so he will get an off night game on Wednesday. So if you have an extra waiver wire move, uh, maybe you can pop Yanmark into your roster. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, this is our first week where we're really dealing with the super busy Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule. Uh, and so thinking carefully about those off nights, you know, is more important this week than it's been over the past couple of weeks, I feel like, with the way the schedule has been going. Yeah, a little bit of sticker shock, I think, with that two-week announcement since it hasn't been quite as bad for some others. Is that actually true or am I just making that up? I think that the issue has been that some players are out for five or six days probably because they don't actually test positive, but maybe they're in self-isolation after a family member has started to show symptoms. Uh, That's what happened with JT Miller anyway. Everyone thought he was out for two weeks. He ends up missing Mm -hmm. only a couple games. But then to have Quenville say, you know, no, uh, DeBrinket and Boquist are not Quenville. Colleton. Oh, my Lord. I am. You know what, Lewis? You're living in the past, man. In fairness to myself, it is my Friday. I just finished my work week. So um, I'm not I haven't popped any cold ones yet, but my brain is apparently popping every cold one uh, imaginable because it's not working very well. <laughs> but Colleton said at least two weeks for these two. So, I mean, I think it's the same for Samsonov. 
and uh, and some of the other players on Washington, but I'm not sure if it basically changes based on if you have if you're confirmed to have COVID versus if you're a close contact of a case or not. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's useful to know, certainly. We got some unfortunate news we have to cover. Uh, Just because it is such a key part of our brand, we have lost Philly Heat. Philip Heedle is going to be out (laughs) four to six weeks. Uh, So losing a little bit of that depth down the middle uh, for the Rangers. And of course, someone who is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, So we wish Philly Heat all the best. Well, Lewis, I, I think that the key thing here is that the Rangers at least have a Pittsburgh-esque surplus of centers, right? So no worries about filling in uh, that third-line center, right? <laughs> uh, of course, right? yes. <laughs> no, it's Brett Howden now on that third line, and it sucks. Uh, he is not good. He is centering uh, Lafreniere and Kako, so there is some offensive upside, but honestly, like, Brett Howden has been such an anchor at five on five and pretty much anytime he's on that I, I'm worried about, you know, the the impending breakout of either of those players as long as they're centered by Brett Howden. Maybe I'm able to reverse jinx here. However, what I will say, Philip Heedle was having an incredible start to the season, and that's why I was starting to get a little excited about Capo Caco in one year leagues, because Philip Heedle's uh impact was so good. And so having him go down is a real, real loss for the Rangers. He was by far their best player the other night against Pittsburgh when they lost in a shootout. However, I think the most interesting fantasy element here is that Phil DiGiuseppe, PDG, went from on that hotline with Heedle, and now he's playing with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom. Lewis, I understand you might have some sort of uh, collegiate connection to PDG, am I right? Yeah, we've just had so many great opportunities to talk about Wolverines who are uh, moving up the lineup on their respective teams. So good for PDG. Good to see him playing with Perrin and Strom. I am interested in him. I think if I was holding on to Lafreniere and Kako in a one-year league and trying to hang in there and see if they could hack it, I think I would be starting to get ready to potentially let that one go. But I do think PDG has some really great exposure. So that's a guy I would be looking to potentially stream, you know, obviously see if you can get him in on some of those busy nights. But uh, I'm interested. Yeah, I actually think, you know, it's such a hot start to the season that I was starting to look at him in deeper leagues anyway, um, as somebody who, you know, on a line that maybe a lot of people aren't taking a look at on that third line in New York. But, you know, four points in his first four games with the Rangers, it's it's just a really good start. And you hope that I, I guess he had four points in his first 20 games with the Rangers last season and now four points in his first four games of this season. So, you know, 420, that's a good omen. And then four and four, that's wonderful production. Yeah, outstanding. I hope he keeps it up. It's always enjoyable to to have somebody, you know, when you get somebody who gets that kind of exposure and is actually productive, that's always really nice. It's, it's a, such a bummer to have somebody who is just trying their best to hack it and can't make it work with great line mates. You know, we've seen it with some of the guys who are playing alongside, say, Crosby and Malkin so far this season, uh, not being maybe as productive as they would hope they would be. Uh, as always, we've got the winger carousel in Edmonton as we're trying to find somebody who can work alongside Connor McDavid. So, um, here's hoping that PDG is actually able to capitalize on this opportunity. Yeah, and again, similar to Nick Ritchie, has been really productive in multi-cat leagues. He had a five-shot, eight-hit, and two-assist game against Pittsburgh, and then uh, three hits and three blocks in the follow-up game. Uh, just the one shot and one hit today, so 
So far, he was more productive playing with Heedle than he's been on the Panarin line, but I would keep my eye on DiGiuseppe and and see if you can fit him into your roster for sure. It could just be a matter of, of getting used to dealing with some new line mates, and maybe once that covered level increases, uh, we could see him pick that production back up. Hopefully it doesn't derail what's been a really successful start to the season. Coming up, we're going to introduce you to the Panic Meter. You're listening to Short Shifts. Like any good team, Hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Short Shifts. We are Ben and we are Lewis, and we are going to introduce you to a new segment on the show. This is the Panic Meter. And on the Panic Meter, we are basically just going to talk about players that you may be freaking out about because of uh, hot stri- or cold streaks, rather, or maybe their deployment has been really bad to start the year. Uh, any number of reasons, but these are players that we've noticed are either getting dropped a ton or we're getting a lot of questions about them. And Lewis, we're going to start in Vegas, where Alex Petrangelo has taken over top power play unit. Shea Theodore has still been very good this whole time, though. He's now just on the second unit, which definitely not your favorite spot to see him. But he's already been so good to start the year. I'm wondering, is it time to hop on the pa- hop into the panic room with Shea Theodore? Where where do you land on a you know from one Axel Rose stay patient to ten? Missy Elliott, get your freak on. This is this is scary for Shea Theodore. All right. Well, if I'm going to have to climb into the panic room, I would rather do so with Jody Foster than with Shea Theodore because I feel like Shea is not someone to panic over. He's the second highest scoring cupful defenseman right now. Um, I'm not worried about it. He may, you know, obviously feel a little bit of squeeze uh, on the power play. You know, this was something that we knew was going to potentially happen. You know, during the summer when. Uh, Petrangelo came on over to Vegas. He's been in the 40s uh, in terms of power play time on ice percentage. Uh, So maybe it's a role that works for him. You know, look, you certainly like to see him on the ice more if you own him on the power play, but this is results-based grading that we're working off of, and he's been extremely successful so far. I don't think that I'm worried about Shea. I'm going to put him at a uh, two on our Axl Rose to Missy Elliott scale of panic. Well, let me slide this the these numbers at you here, Lewis. 100% power play IPP, 47.5% power play usage. That's down to like pre-last. Last year, he was 70%, 71% used on the power play. Five on five shooting percentage, 14%. PDO, 106.3%. I think that, you know, there, at the very least, we're not going to be continuing to see a point per game stretch from uh, from even strength. You, you know, like, I think that there are at least a few signs here that he's not going to be able to put up that 
torrid pace that he showed at the end of last year, that 70-point pace, if he's not going to be on the top unit, I would peg him as a guy you're hoping for 60 points from rather than rather than that upside that that maybe gave you reason to think he could be among the lead the league leaders in power play points or rather in in defenseman points yeah and i think obviously we're going to see a comeback to earth on some of those statistics and i think you are absolutely right to bring them up but at the same time you know i would wonder if you were someone who was drafting him as a 70 point defenseman that seems that seems a little much for me especially given the news of you know a little more competition on that power play blue line and i think we will see it go back and forth um a fair amount this season as you know they they sort of ebb and flow with their success but yeah i don't i don't feel like i was moving into the draft drafting him to try and get a a 70 point defenseman i certainly didn't pay 70 point defenseman price to grab him so yeah i you know i don't think he'll be able to keep producing at a point a game as you said but i'm very happy to have him and i think i am like i said maybe a little bit worried but if we're talking about a panic scale that means we're talking about panic right and my panic level is a two here uh for for my degree of concern I think I'm with you. I might go a little higher, like into the three or four range here. I think it's just, you know, I'm just still the same amount of worried I was preseason because of the two chefs in the kitchen. Sure. And that is just not where you like to be after after Theodore was clearly the guy last year. But yeah, I'm not I'm not more freaked out than I was a month ago, I'll say. So that. it kind of cancels out the excitement that you might feel about his great start to kind of put you back where you were at before based on thinking yes. some of these metrics are going to come back to earth. That's good. I think it's good for yeah, us to I disagree from time to time. if I could get a top 10 defenseman for him, then I'm down. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. If you're looking to dangle him as trade bait, I like that idea. Hopefully someone's not paying yeah. too much attention to the frozen tools line deployment statistics there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great idea. I would think that in a lot of leagues, you'd be able to sell really high on Shea Theodore right now. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misguided there. But anyway, let's move on. We have a lot of players to get through to on the panic meter. And next, we're going to stay in Vegas. I want to talk about Robin Lehner, a goalie who I thought had tier one goaltender upside coming into the year. Instead, he's been more like a tandem. I would say he's the 1A at least, but Marc-Andre Fleury has been incredible to start the year, and they've basically alternated starts to this point. Lewis, is it time to panic for Robin Lehner owners? So this is another one where I'm sort of taking things like you are in terms of Shea. I, I am worried about the idea that they're splitting, but it is also mitigated somewhat by the fact that it, it means I think that Laner will be more effective in the starts that he has. He is, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's not a guy who has you know taken on an enormous workload at any point in his career. And so to have Flurry there to kind of spell some of these games and not have it be a case where you know, that Vegas is panicking over Fleury's performance and goal and where they feel comfortable with him. You know, I think that's that's a good thing. And Fleury is certainly motivated for this season. We know that, you know, there was a lot of, of talk in the end of last season and over the summer. I feel like this is a guy who's motivated to perform well. And if he can kind of spell Laner, maybe the way that Jake Allen can do for Carey Price in Montreal, uh, or the way that we've seen Halak do for Rask in Boston, yes, it cuts into your valley because you're not getting the volume of starts. But at the same time, you're not getting worn out and just, you know, facing some of those end of the year blastings that sometimes happen when they've put too much pressure on that one clear starting goalie. So I would say I'm a little worried, but I am certainly not in a panic stage about this guy. Either. You're gonna have to keep going down this list to get me into the true panic zone. So you're saying like still still at the two still at the around the Shea Theodore. I'll say a little bit more just because, you know, uh, Petrangelo taking some power play one from Shea is a little different from 
Flurry taking more starts from Laner. So I think that is a little bit more concern, but we're talking like a three here. Okay, I'm actually much higher because I was so high on Laner going into the season, his value and Flurry had been so brutal to the past couple of years and Laner on a great team looking like maybe the best goalie in the league. I really thought the upside was there, but I just didn't end up buying him anywhere. So that's kind of mitigating a lot of, you know, if I had if I had bid on him like he was my number two goalie this year, I would be at a six or a seven. But instead, I'll go down to I'll say like a three or a four. I wouldn't panic. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to trade him for, really? If you could get a clear workhorse number one, maybe a Grubauer, I'd be into that because you're probably going to get more volume and still be on such a solid team. But I agree with you. Let's move on to the more panic-struck uh, sections of this list. I'm going to Edmonton, and we need to talk about Tyson Berry, who seems to have lost his spot on the top unit in Edmonton to Darnell Nurse. Tyson Berry, two points in his first four games and pointless so far into the second period in the game against Edmonton or against Winnipeg tonight. Lewis, how are you feeling about Tyson Berry on power play two? Frankly, bad. I hate it. I was a big Berry supporter. I thought that he could do what he had done in. Uh, uh, you know, he could be that guy that he was before in Colorado, just on like a super hot top power play, uh, be really effective, be, you know, that was a guy that I pushed. I didn't manage to pick him up anywhere because I guess people, others were even more enthused about him than I was. But yeah, I'm really disappointed. I thought Barry was going to be a nice fit here in terms of being deployed as that offensive weapon. And it's just not working out. And very much like Tony D'Angelo, who we have kicked to the curb as of our most recent episode, I think Barry is getting close to that same territory because what does he really offer you off of that top power play? You know, he's not getting enough exposure where, you know, that second power play is a total afterthought. Uh, after PP1 in Edmonton, I just don't see how he's going to be able to put up the numbers that are going to make him worthwhile for what most people paid for and drafted him for. I think that's a really good point. I do think I'd give him a little bit more time than I gave D'Angelo because, uh, let's face it, I was excited to be able to to say that Tony D'Angelo could hit the waiver wire. It's it's tough to cheer for him. But Tyson Berry, I, I, it's just such a good story, and it was such a perfect fit but when you really think about it, does Edmonton need to have a, a perfect distributor on the point on their power play? Hell no. They should be working that puck down low between McDavid and Dreisaitl. And, um, you know, it's not Alex Chaseon anymore, but and it was James Neal in the most recent game. I'd love to see it be Puglia Yarvi or Yamamoto, but those are the guys who I want to see getting touches. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I don't care about the defenseman on that unit. So Darnell Nurse actually makes a little bit of, like, a he makes a sense from a fit perspective because then you can slide Tyson Berry down to the second unit and you have a little bit more puck distribution. You're, you're probably giving your second unit a bit more of a boost. And, and I think that that's good in Edmonton, a team that has forever been so mediocre in the, in its bottom six or its power play two minutes. Yeah, that's a really good point. So uh, where, where are you on the panic meter? Are you approaching Missy Elliott level? Yeah, I'm like, a, I'm like an eight here right now on Barry. Wow, that's high. Well, I told you, I, I'm worried about him. I, you know, I've just gone mm. through this with another defenseman that I owned. I can see all the signs. I can smell the desperation mm-hmm. here. It's just an ugly scene, and I'm going to try and get out ahead of it this time uh, and say that I am worried about him. So, when you say that you're worried about him, are you dropping him? Are you trying to? Are you doing everything you can to trade him? Are you holding on for dear life, or are you giving it a few more games? Yeah, I mean, I think you see what you can get for him. Uh, you know, he hasn't been off all that long, but he doesn't really have the stats to be all that appealing. So, I feel like you're still kind of making a sell low offer here. I mean, I'm not sure what exactly you can do with him. I, 
you know, you drafted him. I think it's hold. high enough. You're basically holding or you're dropping. Yeah. It's, it, those are the options because you're not going to get anything in a trade right, right. now. Right. So, you know, and, and while you're holding him, you're hoping to yourself, you know, man, I hope he does something that can boost his value a little bit here so that I can maybe get something for him. But I wonder if it's going to be a Tony D'Angelo situation like I found myself in where I'm holding and holding and holding and finally have, you know, there's a point you reach where you've had enough and you just got to say goodbye. But I think that that's a little dramatic, though. There was a that was a three game saga the tony d'angelo situation so I, I don't know if it's it's fair to say that that was drawn out i think that it's reasonable to have a little bit more patience uh on on tyson berry because we've seen you know more sustained production it wasn't based on this inflated shooting percentage um you know darnell nurse isn't there because he's outproduced i mean he did get a power play assist today so maybe i'm maybe i should hold my tongue on that one but yeah, I don't know. I I think I'm with you. I, I'm I'm definitely in the top half of the meter. I'm I'm at the seven, at six or seven at least. But I I think that I would hold a bit longer because I think that the the upside is there and the fit is there too. I I think I don't know. It's he's just a tough drop for me. I'll say this about what he's got going for him. Uh, he's not in the total doghouse with the coach, you know, for taking mm-hmm. horrible penalties. True. So we haven't seen him, you know, getting sat, which is something that really helped sort out that Tony D'Angelo mess early on. But I am a little worried about, you know, Elon has been saying, you can't really count on these guys who seem like a really good fit but are heading to new teams. And I was kind of scoffing at him over the summer, and I'm eating my crow now. So, Elon, if you're listening, I think you made some good points about that. We've seen it with Barry, and we've seen it with Hoffman so far. You know, hopefully these are guys that will get it back together. But, yeah, a little worried right now. So I will say this, and I don't necessarily mean this for Barry in particular, but in general, I think that we need to be, and I've said this before, we need to be really careful about drawing conclusions on players on new teams with with a contracted training camp and no exhibition games because a lot of these guys are playing literally their fourth game with their team ever and so uh, you know I'm thinking in particular about a guy like Max Domi who I think it's early to write off Um, but I think Tyson Berry fits into that same same spot. It's like if you told me in 25 games that Tyson Berry was back on the top unit and was pacing for 60 points or that Max Domi, same deal, top line in Columbus, it was doing really well. It's not a it wouldn't be a shocking development. You know what I mean? We have four games of data to draw on these players. So I just think that people do in general need to be really careful when making when assuming that these five games are indicative of the next five or especially the next 50. Sure. Yeah. And then again, like if you have Barry, you probably drafted him fairly high or paid a reasonable price for him. So like I said, I'm not really advocating to see him tossed yet, but I am feeling a little, you know, I'm just trying to trying to modulate myself a little bit, recognizing the shorting season and say, you know, I can't get too married to these guys because, you know, uh, you may have to you may have to cut bait at some point and find yourself in a in a superior position if you possibly can. All right. So we both agree we're into the red here with uh, with Tyson Berry. And it's definitely you're watching for what comes next. Let's go once again back to New York here, Lewis, and talk about Maybe my favorite favorite player in the NHL now that Henrik Lundqvist is on the is on the uh, IR or is you know dealing with his heart issue. Mika Zibanejad has been truly awful, and this is one of those situations. It's similar to Elias Pettersson, who we talked about last week, where it's like you're watching the games, and usually when a star has a, a slow start, you're like, oh, but they're still shooting, and you know the the five on five shooting percentage is low or whatever. That's not the case. 
You know what I mean? Like, Mika looks bad. He doesn't look like he has the same boost. Same with Elias Pedersen. These are guys who, by the eye test, look bad. And honestly, the numbers don't look good either. Yeah, I, I am concerned about Mika. Uh, you know, I popped the hood and, and took a look at some of these numbers underneath. And I was hoping there would be some signs of hope. Like, oh, you know, it's just that he's not getting his IPP or his on-ice shooting percentage is pretty bad. His line has only scored once at 5-on-5, five five and he got in on it. So he's got 100% IPP at 5-on-5. Five five. Natural stack trick has him only at 1.5 expected individual goals. So he's pretty much exactly where he's expected to be. Uh, He's getting killed in shot share when he's on the ice. Only 38% of shots are going against the opposition while he's out there. The only thing that gives me some hope here is that uh, he's only been in on the power play goal that he scored. He hasn't been in on the other three power play goals uh, for which he's been on the ice. And last year he was at 84% power play IPP. So that makes me think that he should be picking up some extra assists uh, on the power play here that he's not just not getting in on right now. Like it's not cycling through him when it has done so in the past. So I think you got to wait for him to get some of those power play points before you can even think about maybe moving him if, if that's where your level of concern is. They've, or maybe you just hold on and hope they get these five-on-five issues sorted so he can be effective in other places than the power play. But yeah, it's certainly uh, it's certainly concerning. You know, obviously he's a really skilled player, but these numbers are nasty. Like you said, I'm at about, I don't know, I'm like a four or five here with Mika. I'm higher. I'm like... I'm into the six or seven range with Mika. And, you know, it's not as concerning as Tyson Berry because he's probably not a drop regardless because he's still on the top power play. He's still getting his minutes. But I just don't understand. Like, when you watch it, it doesn't compute. He's not. He doesn't look like the same guy. And that's why I'm freaked out. And honestly, when you think about this short season with the, the lack of a training, like a, a real training camp and no exhibition games and uh, all these games are crammed into a, a condensed schedule... It totally tracks that there would be players who would come into the season not ready and who don't perform like they have an aberration year. And I'm really worried that that might be what's happening to Mika right now. And there's limited time to kind of get back and fix these problems. Like in an 82-game season, maybe you can right the ship a little bit, but you know, you're know you trying to fix these problems on the fly. Uh, so I can see I can see why your, your degree of concern is, is up there. So I think, you know, we talked about this with Pedersen the other day. You you assume that they can work it out because they've been so studly in the past. But I think if I could trade Mika for another, you know, top 10, top 20 uh, fantasy center or uh, fantasy forward, I would, you know, even if I think I'm getting, I'm taking a bit of a loss at the top, I, I think I would do that at this point. Wow. And that's that's big coming from you because I know how much you I know how you feel about Mika. I guess, well, when you say that, it, it does make <laughs> me think like, would I be able to do it? And that I think that I might stop short because I I want to believe so badly. But nameless fantasy manager that you're trying to assist here, that I'm trying to throw under the bus here. <laughs> No, it's and you know what? Like, don't go and like, don't listen to this and be like, oh god, I gotta trade Mika for Phil Di Giuseppe. At least he's producing. Like, obviously, you you would be better off waiting and having him continue to slump than you would be to dump him for nothing. So don't give him up for anything, but just keep your eye open. If, if somebody approaches you and they think that they're buying low on Mika and they're willing to give you, God, I don't even know. I wish I could say David Pasternak, but he's too close to coming 
coming back at this point. How about some of our, our slumping guys that we've talked about? Like your, uh, you talked about Patterson, maybe not him, but what about like Malkin, who's you know struggling to kind of put some points together? Well, but that wouldn't. That to me is like, what's the point in swapping two slumpers? You know what I mean? Like I would want to get somebody. I would want to get somebody back who at least you know is is looking pretty good. I'm thinking about somebody like, I don't know, do you think you could get Kyle Connor for Mika at this point? Probably not. Eh? No, He's I don't just think been so. too good to start the year. But you would have taken that at the beginning of the season for or you would not have taken that as the Mika owner at the beginning of the season. So I don't know, like somebody who looks like maybe somebody thinks they're selling high on Bo Horvat and they're they're tricking you into giving up your your 45 goal Mika Zabanajad. I would I don't think I would take it, but man, would that be tempting right now as a Mika Zibanejad owner. Hey, I mean, that's interesting info coming from you, is, you know, knowing how you feel. So I'll say this one more time, just just to make sure that I'm not going, I'm not exaggerating too much. But to me, it's not you need to panic trade, but if you can get a really good return, then I would do it. That's that's where I'm at. I'm not trying to say like, and again, that's why I probably wouldn't do Horvat because he's obviously shooting out of his mind right now. And I, I don't see that continuing, but something like that, a, a really good player back. And, and you've got me thinking about giving up Mika's advantage. So that sounds like maybe you're at a, at a six to me then more than a seven. Okay. I appreciate you talking me down because I really don't want to be talking about Mika this way. Lewis. We have already willed a Matthias Yanmark goal into existence. This is your trademark keeping Carlson branded uh, discussing a game that's already over by the time our audience is listening to this. And I, I'm going to take credit for the Matthias Yanmark goal. That's that's on you and I. Uh, Lewis, this is it for us. We are uh, signing out of here. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And uh, I'll leave you to uh, finish this off. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. And as always, uh, please follow the whole Keeping Carlson family uh, at Keeping Carlson, at Game Day Lines, at Short Shifts KK. Our buddy, Dave Batten, at Davey Betts, doing the stream scheme. Uh, thank you to Pat Roach for our music. Thank you to Frozen Tools and Natural Stat Check for helping with our research. And thank you for listening to our show. We so appreciate it. And until we see you later this week, play smart and keep your shifts short.